Hello and welcome to I Heard It on a Podcast. This is our little corner of the Wild West. My name is Riley. And I'm Isaiah. And Riley, boy, do I have a story for you today. Lay it on me. This is probably going to rival the best movie you've ever seen. <laughs> it's probably going to win whatever stories win for awards. And it might make us all cry. Oh. So let's get into this overhyped story. So um, I was at work the other day and I needed a quick, cheap bite to eat for lunch because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a busy person and I don't have a lot yeah. of time to eat lunch. But I'm also, you know, kind of a poor person, so I don't have a lot of money for lunch. Okay. So um, I was like, what is fast and cheap and just going to make my day good? And the answer, obviously, is Taco Bell. Taco, Taco Bell. Bell is fast and cheap and just makes you your day better. So I was like, okay, I've got half an hour. I'll go to Taco Bell really fast. And so I, you know, pulled up my Taco Bell app and I was going to mobile order so I could just roll through the drive-thru and pick up some tacos. And I went on the app and it said, oh, mobile order is not available at this location. And I was like, that's weird. That's Whatever, crazy. I'll just go and order, you know, in person. And so I drive down to Taco Bell. It probably took me, you know, like 10 minutes of my lunch break. And I get to Taco Bell and the line is like super long. And I was like, well, crap. I only have 20 minutes left. But Taco Bell is usually pretty fast because all I have to do is take these like burritos they made that morning at 6 a.m. and throw them in a bag. So I get in line and it's going really slow. And I finally get to the like ordering thing after like 10 minutes. And the guy's like, hey, like, welcome to Taco Bell or whatever. What can I get for you? And I like go through and I, I place my order, right? And I say everything I want. And he's like, okay, yeah, we got that. And then he's like, also, just so you know, our credit card machine is down. We can only take cash. Uh. And I was like, wait, so you let me order my whole order? And then after you let me order, I find out that I can't pay with my cards. And so I was like, well, I don't have cash. And he's like, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> I was like, yeah. are you are you kidding me? Like I, I sat here in line for 20 minutes and I ordered $2 worth of burritos and then you tell me that I can't pay with cash and you won't just give me the burritos? Like that seems kind of dumb. And apparently the eight people in front of me also didn't have cash because as soon as the person at the window who paid left, every single one of us just like drove out of the drive-thru. So wow. we had all been sitting in line for like 20 minutes just to not get tacos. And so then I had to go back to work without tacos, and wow. it was just kind of a bummer. So I'm That's bitter a tragic story. to Taco Bell. I know. I told you you might cry. Uh, <laughs> so it's okay. They're there. It's fine. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of burnt on Taco Bell right now. McDonald's is the way to go. They don't have credit card machine issues. So life pro tip. I know. As we've previously established on this podcast, we don't really carry cash. I, I might have cash in my wallet right now, but if I do, it's the same bills that have been in my wallet for right. months. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to spend them just on any old tacos. they got to be special yeah. tacos. And to be fair, I might have had enough change to pay for my meal in like my center console, uh-huh. but I wasn't just going to sit there on my lunch break and like dig change out of my car trying to pay for my tacos. So I was like, whatever, Taco Bell. You've yeah. lost my $2 of business. That's the kind of thing that you have to scribble out barely legible on a piece of printer paper and taped to the thing that you talk yeah. into to give your order. Like warn people, or at least like say as soon as I got there, like, hey, just so you know, don't let me order my food first and then say, oh, by <laughs> <Yeah>. the way. <laughs> I think they enjoy ruining people's days at that point. They They're might. Like, 
Yeah, get your hopes up. Think about that crunchy, beefy Frito burrito, which actually, now that I think about it, might they not even be on their anymore. menu anymore. Yeah, Taco Bell is like a series of bad decisions because they killed yeah. off any of the good food they had. Yeah, that's true. So maybe, do we not like Taco Bell anymore? Is I this podcast anti Taco Bell? At least for now. It's been a while since I've been to a Taco Bell. I'm firmly in the Taco John's camp, which I know is less uh, popular and a little more regional, True. but that that is where my heart lies, is with Potato John. Olays are the best. Oh, mwah, those are <laughs> those are great. Yeah, I will oh, I am a Taco John's stan. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we've decided no to yeah. Taco Bell, yes to Taco John's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll All right. call it Pulitzer um, too. Okay. Sweet. It's a, to get it's you a that point. award. Thank you. Thank you. Because that story is just, it's like one of those short cinematic stories that you can like <laughs> yeah. see in your mind. It was feel the emotion beautiful. Of. Anyway, I've got some more news for you. This is news news. Um, and it's, it's probably one of the coolest things to happen in our whole country this week. Um, uh, a lot of and that overhype is, in this episode. I know. But so the news is that Apple on their new Macs, supports USB 4. <sighs> what? Okay, we'll, we'll dedicate 30 seconds to this topic. What is USB 4? It's faster than USB 3. Is it still square? Like, do I have to change anything? Mm, I'm pretty sure it's the same connector as USB 3. Great. Well, let's talk about something else. <laughs> let's <laughs> <But> do we, it. <laughs> we filled our Apple quota for this podcast. <laughs> and it's still officially the thing that we talk about the most. I want to talk about, uh, in, an, in, a, in a way, Apple's competitor. Well, not in a way, directly Apple's competitor, Bill Gates. So I'm looking at this article on uh, Business Insider where Bill Gates is claiming that in-person meetings are not the gold standard and that 50% of business travel will never return even after the pandemic. And this caught my eye because this is basically what my job is. My my industry is in in-person meetings or at least that's what I was originally hired to do and now I do virtual meetings, which is fine too. It's just different. But it's interesting because there are so many people who are fans of an in-person meeting or they travel to a lot of meetings and business travel is a really big part of the hospitality sector and to say that 50% of business travel will never never return is quite a claim and I think will have a very large impact on the larger tourism and hospitality and air travel industries and all of the things that they uh, touch in their economies. But I also kind of want to call into question who Bill Gates is to make such claims. Just because we all know who Bill Gates is, does that mean that we should believe everything that he thinks and that we should agree that with him and say or, or believe him when he says that 50% of business travel will never return? Yeah, it's interesting because like he's just guessing. He's not done like any studies or like had any official scientific input into this. It's just a mm-hmm. guess. It's, so it's interesting because we we do that a lot where with famous people, we just like 
glorify their opinions and especially with like um successful business people we like kind of make them like savant almost it's like oh if if a famous business person says it then it's probably going to be true um so i mean i i do agree with him i feel like our like world isn't going to go back to the same as it was before in regards to you know traveling especially with business stuff because we now are also used to uh, working from home and doing remote meetings and that's just so easy now it's kind of part of our society and a lot of people I feel like I mean personally I love working from home and I feel like a lot of people will love that especially people who would have had to travel a ton for business meetings before and you know be on a red eye and then do meetings for a day or two and then be on a red eye back like it's just so much easier to be at home and have your five hours of meetings every day remotely and it saves companies a lot of money to not travel too you know mm-hmm. so then you can offer more like employee benefits, like maybe you pay for some of their work from home fees or like their expenses or raise salaries or give better benefits in other areas. Um, so yeah, it's I think it's good for the worker generally, theoretically, um, bad for you know airlines and hotels and restaurants and stuff like that. Um, but then again, maybe people who now aren't traveling for work and spending a lot of time at work will now have more leisure time to, you know, take vacations or eat out or, you know, do stuff like that. And then it's not, you know, a, like a a productive thing. It's just a leisure thing. And so we'll have to see kind of how that works out. But it sounds pretty good to me. I think it is kind of a a balanced thing. I do agree that generally people spend the money that they get and whether they spend it while they're traveling through their business or through the uh, supplemental income that they have that they're not spending on, that the businesses aren't spending through their through sending their employees to all of these in-person meetings. Right. But I suppose the difference then is where that money is being spent because traditionally it's been spent at the location and the hub for all of these major meetings right. in places like New York and Orlando and Seattle and San Francisco and Denver and places where you gather to have meetings. So now people will just theoretically, if that income that if that's extra income is redistributed to the people, which is not a guarantee, it will just be spent more equally in local economies, which can be a good thing, but the economies in those larger metropolitan areas where meetings happen will probably be impacted negatively. Right. So that is, I guess, just something to consider is that it'll be good in some places and bad in other places. But yeah, I'm kind of curious thing, to see yeah, like if, because um, there's so many places that are doing work from home. And this article also says that, you know, 30% of days won't be spent in the office. Um, and so I'm kind of interested to see if some of the like major metropolitan hubs, you know, like LA and San Francisco and New York and Washington and stuff like that, um, will kind of see more of an exodus of people who like maybe are living paycheck to paycheck or see that they could make more money other places and still keep their jobs, but just kind of move to a cheaper area or to an area where they'd rather be. And if we kind of see more of like an even distribution of kind of the workforce especially in like tech where maybe people move out of the Bay area, you know, and they move to 
Colorado or they move to, you know, Idaho or someplace that's like naturally beautiful and someplace that's got more space and it's cheaper to live and you can own more land and a bigger house and stuff like that. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see, you know, in the next five, 10 years where people end up and if maybe we see a lot of people leaving big cities for for smaller, cheaper areas just because for a lot of people, the reason that they're in big cities like that is for work. And if they don't have to be there for work, they might prefer to be somewhere else. Yeah, I agree. I think some of those areas have already kind of seen uh, a decrease in population due to the fact that those higher income tech-related jobs they're realizing can be done remotely long-term. Yeah. And places that have a higher than average cost of living also do tend to have a higher than average um, salary, but it's still difficult to justify spending 30 to 60% of your salary on rent or your mortgage. Totally, yeah. So why would you stay there if you're just living or if you're just working from home and working remotely no matter where you live? So I, I do think that there will be kind of a shift assuming that this is a more long-term trajectory and places are willing to make that change. The, the article did mention that Twitter and Slack are both allowing their employees to work remotely forever, regardless of what happens in the future related to the pandemic. So that's kind of an interesting development. I've, I know that we've talked about other companies potentially doing that, but th- those make sense. Yeah, And if if they can make it work then I think other some other companies can I know some need to be in person yeah. but can you imagine like what a dream it would be to say you pick up like a developer job at you know Twitter or Facebook or Slack or something a big company that you know pays low six figures for entry level stuff so you could get a, a developer job there and they say hey you can just work remotely permanently and so then you can pick wherever in the world you want to live. I mean, theoretically, you're probably going to have to live in the United States still because you will still need to be in the same general time zone as your office and so you can collaborate with your teammates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means, hey, pick wherever you want to live in the U.S. We're going to give you six figures and all you have to do is have an internet connection and show up to Zoom meetings or Teams meetings or Slack or whatever. Um and you could, I mean, that sounds great because you could theoretically like, what I would do in this situation is I would probably like pick a place to settle down that I like enjoy for where it is and not for the work um, and, you know, buy a house. But then you could also spend part of the year, you know, traveling or whatever, like you could buy an RV or something like we had talked about last week where you're just like mm-hmm. going around and, and seeing the country. Yeah. But all you really need is like, I mean, even with SpaceX's new like Starlink um, satellite internet stuff that's it's kind of expensive but you're making six figures so you like you buy it and you mount it to your van or whatever and then you've got high speed internet anywhere in the United States and so all you have to do is just like drive around you work your eight hours and then you can literally go anywhere and do anything like that sounds kind of utopian to be honest I suppose so I mean it, it sounds too good to be true yeah but for a period of time, I think that that could be really, really cool. And I think that that is a very unique situation that very few totally. people, I think, would be able totally. to really work and leverage into their practical life. But 
because all you have to do is just get a software developer job at like one of the top 10 companies in the world and then travel around <laughs> yeah <laughs> easy <laughs> yeah you just have to have oh. some of the most highly sought after skills and be the best in those skills yeah and anyone can do it right and you'll probably be pushed out because there'll be a new generation of nerds better at what you do than what you do in a couple of years but enjoy it True. while it lasts you just have to be the nerdiest person always and always become nerdier and then you will be secure in software. Easy. Yep. All right. Well, shall we move on from um, company yeah. and business related things and move to more fun, personal entertainment zones? Let's. Okay. Well, I'd like to talk today about the film industry and more specifically movie theaters Um places where you would go to watch movies or shows or be entertained um, and kind of what they might look like after all of the COVID stuff is over and even kind of what they look like now. Um, because personally, and I'm, I think I, I, I think you feel the same way as me, but I love going to the movies. It's like honestly one of my favorite activities to do. Mm-hmm. Um, more so for a while in our town, the things that you could do were go bowling or go to the movies, mm-hmm. or like drive around in the country. And so movies are obviously the best choice out of that. But honestly, even with all of the stuff that we have available now, I'd way rather do like go to the movies and a lot of stuff. Like I'd way rather go to the movies and watch Netflix. I'd way rather go to the movies than, you know, go shopping. It's just like such a quality pastime for me. And this year with COVID, I mean, that's kind of changed. For a long time, the movie theaters were shut down. And even now that they're open there haven't been any like big movie releases because studios are pushing back because they either can't, you know, they can't shoot or they can't produce or they're afraid of how it's going to do in the box office with so few people going out and about, which is understandable, but it's made for like maybe two movies that have been released this year in theaters that are actually Mm -hmm. like blockbuster movies. And it's been kind of a bummer. Like I went to see Tenet when it came out and in theaters in theaters. Yeah. And it was like a great movie. It was phenomenal, but it kind of bombed at the box office just because people weren't going to the movies. And so like I went with some friends when it was, I don't know, two weeks old and it was us and two other people in the theater, which like on a, it was a Friday night and on a Friday night for a new blockbuster movie, the only one all year, you'd think it'd be more packed, Hmm. but it's just people aren't going, which to be fair, people probably shouldn't go out to the movies and do stuff like that often. Uh, just because don't spread a pandemic around. But it was kind of sad to me because this is kind of a passion of mine, like going to the movies and watching movies and critiquing movies and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what theaters are doing now to survive, what theaters might look like in the future, what movie shoots might look like in the future. And maybe maybe we can come up with a solution to save hmm. the art of film watching um so something interesting that i've seen at like i think cinemark's doing it i think amc is doing it um but a lot of theaters in covid to kind of try to make it through and generate income they're renting out theaters to like a group or to like an individual and so the way it works basically is you can pay you know one or two hundred bucks to rent out the full theater and some theaters will do, you know, you can pick a movie off of a list. Some theaters will just say, hey, any movie 
that you want to will play for you. And then the idea is you go with your family or your household or your friends or whatever, and you have the whole theater to yourself, you know, you and 20 other people or whatever. And they'll sanitize it beforehand and then you can buy snacks and drinks and all that good stuff and then they'll sanitize it afterwards. And so it's a, a lot safer than, you know, just going to a random movie and hoping that no one there has COVID. Um, and it's fun because you can just have the whole theater to yourself with your friends. You can pick the movie in some places. You know, you can have all your snacks and it's kind of like a personal movie experience which sounds super awesome because you get all of the perks of being in the theater you know you get the big screen and the great sound and the smells and the movie snacks and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. um and i think it's it's really not that bad of a deal because if you've got you know if you're paying 200 bucks but you can have 20 people there that's like 10 bucks a person and so to me like i think i would like that more than an actual just normal movie because it's the same price but it's all of my friends and it's like a personal, unique, customized movie going experience. Um, and obviously the downside of that is you have to, you know, find a time when all 20 of your friends can go to the movies at the same time. And you have to pick a movie and all that stuff. But that sounds super fun to me. And that's something that I would like to see, you know, kind of continuing. And I don't know if it's possible, but the idea of once COVID's over and we don't have to worry about being around people, it'd be fun to get, you know, 20 of your closest friends together and go see an old classic movie you know like we could go you know the 20 of us could go and watch like hot rod or something like that in the theaters (laughs) and like relive the 2000s (laughs) that's hilarious i agree with you that watching a movie in a theater is a different experience that you can't recreate at home even if you have one of those fancy home theaters that's completely dark and you have those theater seating and great surround sound that's a that's a cool experience but it is still not a movie theater totally like showing up and buying your tickets and getting your snacks and seeing the like old neon and the ugly carpet and walking down and seeing posters for other movies that you want to see and watching the previews and experiencing that movie with your people that you came with and strangers and others. Yeah. And that being a kind of moment in time is it is an it, it is an experience and something that I would be truly sad if it wasn't able to to come back. And we talk about totally. this concept of uh they're not of things not going back to normal that there's going to be a new normal right and i i generally do agree with that that we can't just expect things to uh be the same as they were someday but there there's going to be a a new expectation for things but i think that there that there are some things that are worth fighting to get back to normal like back to how they were right and I don't know if that's really possible. Obviously, none of us know what the future holds and and how uh, complete the the end of a pandemic is. Right. But I really do hope that theaters are able to make to to be sustainable enough to make it through, so that we can still have that experience on the other side. Yeah. I think about this theater. 
in the town that I went to college in. And it's a beautiful independent theater. It's not associated with any chain. And it used to be a a theater like the kind where you put on stage shows. And it has mm-hmm. this beautiful facade and the ceiling is hand-painted and they still have the original um, like flip-up red velvet chairs. And it's not even that comfortable to sit there, but it it's a beautiful... <laughs> um, it's just it's gorgeous to be there. I remember seeing the remake live action remake of Beauty and the Beast there. And that was kind of a mediocre movie, but just the the magic of that movie with the backdrop of this beautiful gilded and golden and kind of the golden age of movies. Yes. Yeah. Backdrop of this theater made that movie so much better than it actually is. If right. I were just watching that on my laptop in my dorm room, that would have been a bad movie. But since I saw it in right. this beautiful theater, it was a great movie. Yeah, and I feel like that's true for a lot of things. You know, there have been a lot of movies where I've seen them in the theaters and they've been great, and then I've watched them again and I'm like, wow, this movie's like not that good. Like, for example, mm-hmm. um, I went to see the James Bond movie uh, Spectre, I think is the most yeah. recent-ish one. Um, and those are kind of the movies that like, they're so good in theaters, you know, like the cinematography is great. The sound is great. They're so like engaging. And then when you watch them on Netflix on your iPhone, it's like the plot's kind of weird and it just doesn't really make sense. And it's kind of, they're cheesy parts and it's just like, right. It's there's so it's no matter how good your movie is, it's amplified by being in a theater. And that's kind of a bummer because you know, I mean, Disney's kind of leading the charge in moving away from theaters right now. Like they've been releasing a lot of their feature film stuff to, you know, direct to streaming or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Mulan was a big one. Mulan was supposed to be in theaters and they pushed it back and then they just said, you know, screw it. We're going to release it to Disney Plus. And right. I've, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's not amazing. And part of that could be just because like if the first time you see it is on Disney Plus, like you're not giving it its best chance to kind of hit you. And so that's that's kind of what places like production studios need to do now because they need to get stuff out and they need it to start generating, you know, revenue so that they can keep the cycle going. Right. But it sucks like for now cuz there's a lot of movies that need to be in the theater. Another example I can think of is I don't know if you know anything about the movie Dune. Uh but, generally or a little bit. Okay. So the premise is, it's basically kind of like a feudal monarchy system, except for with planets instead of, you know, small pieces of land. It's based on a sci-fi book written in the 60s or 70s, right? Correct. And so basically you can, you know, choose to be like a serf on a planet, a serf with an E, and basically, you know, work the (laughs) land for your overlords. Um, and so it's about this group of people um, who decide to be the whatever the workers of this planet where they make a drug spice, and it's it's like a you know kind of a niche movie. It may, might not have mass market appeal or whatever, uh, but it's one of those movies that like looks amazing to see in theaters, and then maybe like not that great to watch outside of theaters, especially if you don't have any clue what the movie's about or. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that kind of thing, and 
I've kind of had experiences with movies like this before. Like when I first saw Interstellar, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I think it's such a great movie. I think the story is amazing. Yeah. But when we went to see it, I knew nothing about it. I hadn't read the plot. Like I didn't know what it was. Um, and seeing it in the theater was like such an experience of like I was trying to figure out what it was about and I was trying to figure out like at first I thought it was a documentary because we didn't even like we just bought tickets for it and it was like talking about wow. corn and like all this stuff and so like I had no idea what was going on and then it kind of unfolds in front of me and just the way that movie is shot it's like it needs to be seen in the theaters it is beautiful and, and I think if I would have seen that on you know Disney plus or whatever I wouldn't have maybe gotten as involved maybe I wouldn't have even watched it at all because I wouldn't have like been going with friends to see it um and so there's I feel like there's a lot of movies that really need to be shown in theaters and I don't know I mean there have been so many pushbacks like that movie Dune got pushed back um I don't know if you've seen the trailers for Robert Pattinson's uh The Batman I haven't but I've heard it, of it it looks so good but that one got pushed back you know like into I want to say 2022 or something like that. And then Wonder Woman was supposed to come out. That got pushed back. And uh, Black Widow was supposed to come out. That got pushed back. So we're getting all of these, you know, movies pushed back. And there's going to come a point where they can't push them back any farther. And they just have to say, you know, we have to release it and get whatever money we can out of this. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of sad to me. Right. It's sad for theaters, too, because they're going bankrupt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the kind of the bottom line is that film is an art and the producers and cinematographers and directors and actors and everyone involved are artists and it's meant to be enjoyed in the full scale of the way that that art is presented. Interstellar is a great example because it, the music and the dynamic of the, the, the dynamics of the score are such an important plot device yeah, and if you're just listening on your laptop speakers, you don't you don't understand that at all. You don't receive totally. that part of the story, and the magnitude of the sets. Granted, they're digitally rendered sets, but still, you don't understand the gravity of you entering the. Uh, no spoilers, but just there are huge set pieces set in space in that movie, and. Being enveloped in that world in a theater is yeah. m- you grasp it much d- more deeply than totally at, you w- ever could at home. And the equivalent of that with other art forms would be looking up pictures of uh, that you could see in an art museum on Google search, right. and yeah. it, it, you just can't grasp the full intention of the that art form without enjoying it how it was intended to be right. received. Yes. So it's, it would I really do think the theaters need to be sustained in some way or another, but I don't know that what they're doing right now is a long-term sustainable uh method because theaters are are theaters and movies and that whole industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and they are not making anywhere near the amount of money they did this time totally. last year. Especially with no movies coming out. like Right, you just can't. Yeah, it's kind of hard-pressed to be a movie theater when you don't have movies. Yeah. 
So, but you know, what has been making a comeback is drive-ins, especially like over the summer, mm. because when all the movie theaters were shut down, drive-ins could still be open. Like you're socially distanced, you've got windows between you, like you're not coming in contact with anyone really. Right. And so we have a drive-in pretty close to us here in Colorado and they were like packed all the time, like constantly. And so I feel like it's still not the same as, you know, a movie theater it's more of like a relaxed kind of social experience because you know the screen's not great because you're outside and the speakers are your car speakers or whatever but it still kind of has that fun like nostalgic feel to it Mm -hmm. and while i wouldn't be happy if movie theaters you know went out of business drive-ins are a good substitute they're definitely better than like sitting at home and watching it it's like a fun kind of experience and you can at least, you know, go with people and make it an experience and not just watching something. Yeah. So it's a fun, special, cool. different thing. Yeah. Which is But you can only do I, it during yeah. two months of the year. So <laughs> Right. But I think that's the part that are are what makes theaters a little unique and special to me is that level of anticipation and specialness of going to the theater. Totally. I I remember growing up over the summers, we would spend most of our Saturdays doing yard work. And then our reward for doing yard work all day was going to see a movie. And I, yeah. I would think all day about that movie that I knew we were going to see at the end of the day. And it made that movie so much more enjoyable because I'd been thinking about it all day long. Right. And then you go and you get to sit inside in the cold air conditioning and my brother and I would share a Diet Coke or whatever. You get that delicious popcorn and you get to watch the movie. And that's so much different than just scrolling through your Netflix and clicking on something that you're half-heartedly into. Totally. Like, oh, maybe I'll try this. And you click away from it halfway through because it's really not that good. That's two completely different experiences. Totally. So. I feel like Netflix should start having theaters where you could like have an upgraded subscription and then you could go and like they're playing some of their like originals just kind of like like a movie theater would you know at certain times or whatever but then it's part of your subscription you can just go in you can still buy snacks and all that stuff but then you can go sit in the theater because there are a lot of good Netflix movies and you know Netflix just releases them straight to Netflix obviously they don't put them in theaters Mm -hmm. but I don't know you remember when movie pass was a thing and it yeah. was like that you know you pay 10 bucks a month that or whatever and great get, year and a half yeah get unlimited movies which we can see why they went bankrupt because that's ridiculously mm-hmm. cheap but something like that would be cool you know like a subscription service and then you can go and just like watch movies i would be all over that i would pay whatever they want for that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, but I think yeah. we need to still workshop that idea. Well, we can work on it. That was just that came to my mind right now, so it's sure. a fresh idea. Okay. But Netflix, if you do that, I I I thought of it first. Give me royalties, yeah. dibs, intellectual property. <laughs> um. Oh man. One last concept I want to touch on is just the idea okay. of personal entertainment and how individualized and isolating I think current personal entertainment is versus or compared to how it used to be. So I think about how hanging out with my family right now constitutes me watching my own show on my laptop and my mom watching her own show on her iPad and my dad watching TV. 
And if my brother's around, he's probably doing whatever in his room, or if he's in the right. in the if he's in the uh, living room, he's doing something on his own device. And that's right. us hanging out, but we're all just ignoring each other, watching our own thing. Right. That's not all the time. We're not terrible people, but I don't think that that's a t- very uncommon situation. Totally. Yeah. So, just the idea that streaming services and social media platforms are continuing to expand and getting more and more individualized there there isn't there, there used to be a concept where everyone in America was watching the same thing at the same time like survivor yeah. was on at Thursday nights or whatever and then you would go to school on or work on Friday and everyone was talking about Survivor because right. everyone watched Survivor or 24 or whatever the popular right. thing was. And now there's thousands of things on Netflix alone, let alone totally. if you don't include the other streaming services and channels and YouTube and whatever. No one has any watch shows in common and there's no right. There's no cultural phenomena to talk about anymore. And personal right. entertainment, while it is great and individualized i think it's also kind of isolating and has broken down that cultural zeitgeist of all americans knowing what happened on survivor last totally night. yeah it's interesting cuz i definitely have still had experiences like that but they're very like genre or niche specific mm-hmm. so like for example um emily and i are watching the mandalorian right now and it's just such a good show and it's unique in that it's kind of a weekly release Mm-hmm. And so you get, you know, you get the little hit of the show and you have to think about it and talk about it or whatever until the next week, which in a way I'm like, oh, it sucks having to wait. But that's part of the fun, you know, is like it's not just you don't sit down and you binge it over two days and then you don't talk about it with anyone because it was your own personal experience. And so I've like had a lot of times when I've watched The Mandalorian and I've gone the next day and like I've talked to, you know, Joe or people at church or whatever and we've been like, oh gosh, like, did you see that one thing in The Mandalorian? And like, when that one character was there and they revealed it, it was like such a crazy thing. Yeah. Like, when Baby Yoda ate a frog, like, and it's one of those things that we can still culturally bond over. But yes, there are people like also that I know who have no interest in Star Wars. And so, like, they just, they don't watch it, they don't really care. And so it's definitely less of a like globalized thing, less of like a just kind of general, everyone mm-hmm. knows it. Which in a way is kind of a bummer, but in another way, it's like, hey, the people that I'm, you know, talking about the show with and geeking out on the show with are also super into this show. And so it's not just like a casual interest. It's like, oh, we're all kind of super into this and we can all kind of, you know, do deep dives into the lore and into like the backstory and all of that fun stuff. Um, So I think those opportunities are still definitely out there. You just have to have the group of people who's also interested in that kind of stuff to talk about them with. Yeah, and I think that that's actually a pretty smart move on Disney's plan on Disney's uh side to release them weekly because now everyone totally. is talking about it every week and totally. you kind of have a shared experience with all the other people yep. who are interested in the Mandalorian mm-hmm. compared to whatever Netflix show is dropped a season at a time and I never talked totally. to anyone about those Netflix shows even though they're yep. pretty good. So yep. I think that's pretty smart and it's kind of funny that it's just a exact copy of the models that have been used on network television right. for decades. 
Yeah. If you're interested in hearing more about this, go check out our episode about do-it-yourself cable and you'll find out more about our <laughs> yeah. cable or is, our streaming service is the new cable. Um, we had a good discussion about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just now realizing I think Amazon released a new episode of uh, The Grand Tour, which is the first one in months. And oh. I know that once I watch that, I have a lot of people who want to talk to me about that. So I might have to watch that and take my own advice and just kind of, you know, continue that communal experience. <laughs> yeah. I do think there's value there. Totally. I agree. Anything else in regards to movies, TV, personal entertainment? No, I didn't realize how passionate I was about this until we started I talking know. about it. I know. It's a good thing to talk about. It's yeah. making me want to go to the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's going to about do it for today. So I'm going to wrap us up and take us out. Thank you for listening to I Heard It On A Podcast. We've got new episodes every Monday and Wednesday that you can find on any podcast serving service. Uh, if you like what you hear today, if you agree with us on our views on movies and TV shows, or if you disagree and you want to argue with someone about how we're wrong, shoot them this podcast, listen to it, become best friends, have a conversation. Maybe you will discover that this could be your communal experience and you could listen to our episodes mm. every week and then talk about them. And that could be a form of connection. Um, what else do we have to say? That's pretty much it. We are so glad that you guys are listening to this with us each week and coming and hanging out with us. We really enjoy making this podcast. We've enjoyed kind of getting into the into the swing of it and into some interesting topics with you guys. Um, if you guys want to talk to us about anything, if you want to respond to this podcast, if you have any interesting thoughts or not interesting thoughts or suggestions, or you just want to say hi, feel free to drop us a line at I heard it on a podcast at gmail.com. So I don't currently watch The Mandalorian. I didn't see season okay. one or this season. And I'm okay. not really a Star Wars person. I don't think I've seen the last two or three movies. I'm kind of behind. But I do really like the idea of being in that cultural moment.